Hello, this is FTW with Imad Khan, part of the Dot Esports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Imad Khan of CNET. Last month, cryptocurrency exchange FTX went to bust. Owner Sam Bankman Freed and his friends had misused customer money in risky investments that ultimately did not pan out. The crash of FTX sent the crypto market spiraling downwards even as it was already facing a difficult 2022. FTX was also a major sponsor in traditional sports and esports, from sponsoring the Miami Heat Stadium in Florida and renaming it the FTX Arena, to changing the name of esports org TSM to TSM FTX and $210 million deal, the exchange had its dollars deeply embedded. To talk about the impact of FTX's collapse on the wider esports ecosystem is Jason Chung, Director and Esports Business Professor at NYU's Tisch Institute of Global Sport. Jason, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Amon, thanks for having me. Pleasure to talk. Yeah, for sure. So TSM FTX is probably the most well-known esports sponsorship. Uh, what else in the industry... What else in the industry had FTX attached its name to? Well, I think you were mentioning in your intro, uh, you know, lots of sponsorship all over, right? Uh, discrete events, uh, stadium naming rights. Uh, obviously, TSM FTX was a was a big rebrand of a of an established sort of esports organization. So, you know, FTX was doing its best to try to become uh, an endemic sponsor in the space, right? And uh, mm-hmm. esports and uh, crypto uh, seem like a match made in heaven to a certain degree, right? Uh, tech uh, tech board products, uh, you know, that are fledgling. Uh, it seemed like a great match, but of course, you know, uh, it's only a great match if the money keeps flowing. So uh, it's been an interesting couple of weeks, let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, if, if I recall correctly, uh, FTX had uh, naming rights with a few teams, right? Like uh, there was a team in Brazil, I believe, that uh, that had FTX attached to it. And um, was there, there was there any FTX sponsorship in other major esports events? Uh, I believe so. Several events. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, honestly, uh, the names kind of escape me. But you know, they've been they were trying to get involved in every single aspect of sport and entertainment. Right. So, uh, you know, even Mercedes AMG Petronas, the Formula One team, uh, you know, that was its uh, crypto partner. Uh, You know, TSM is obviously the biggest one. But, you know, I think uh, there were tentacles sort of all over. And, uh, you know, if if there weren't specific, uh, you know, named events, uh, they were definitely in uh, negotiations for uh, sponsoring more things before things went bust. Yeah, I mean, probably the the highest echelon of event was the League of Legends like championship series, right, where uh, FTX was a title sponsor. Uh, so e- esports profitability has always remained a constant problem within the industry. Uh, often sponsors have taken on crypto and gambling uh, companies as sponsors. Is there a reason that these types of sponsors are specifically attaching itself to esports? Uh, well, we, you know, in terms of esports, uh, I think it, demographic-wise, it, it sort of matches, right? Like I was saying, so, you know, when you think about an esports audience, you think about... Uh, young, relatively affluent, uh, you know, heavily male. Uh, a lot of that uh, tends to sort of uh, jive very well with uh, with the crypto crowd, right? So I think there was a sort of a like a match made in heaven in terms of a demographic standpoint. Uh, and also we're talking about fledgling, relatively fledgling industries, right? Be, you know, things that are trying to take on established world orders, whether it be financial or economic or so traditional sports. So, you know, I think and also when you're thinking about, you know, the esports space, you're thinking about a space that's desperate for sponsorship, right? It is the lifeblood of the industry. So obviously, if a, a company like FTX uh, comes in and, and, and waves a big bag, I think people are going to be less uh, uh, um you know, less inquisitive about where the money comes from, right? They're just going to be happy mm-hmm. to take it. So mm-hmm. uh, that's basically, uh, so in the end, it was, a, it was a good match until it wasn't. I mean, 
I've already been reading stories that uh, uh, TSM is looking on bringing on a smaller cryptocurrency exchange as a sponsor. I mean, uh, where do we expect crypto dollars to really exit the esports space, or is it just going to continue to be a constant presence? I don't think that crypto dollars will exit the space. Uh, you know, I, like I said, uh, you know, the, the esports industry requires sort of, uh, you know, sponsorship dollars, right? I mean, that's a big part of the industry and it's a big part of the revenue source. Uh, so I think it's go always going to be around because crypto exchanges and crypto uh, products bring bring sponsorship dollars with it. Uh, now, the que now, I would hope that the, uh, the esports organizations have learned that, hey, if we're going to do this, we should probably vet our partners a little bit more, uh, take a look into the financials a little bit more to see if there are any sort of uh, uh, danger points there. But uh, Presumably, they're going to be doing that, right? Um, you know, because uh, I don't think the next sponsor coming in is going to come in with quite a big uh, amount as uh, FTX was doing at 210 million over 10 years. Uh, you know, uh, that's going to be, a, like you said, it's going to be a much smaller deal. Mm -hmm. I, I do, I do, I do remember at a Fortnite event that um, Epic Games asked that crypto sponsors not be displayed because it's considered risky investments. And I guess they just don't want. That kind of brand association when it comes to specific games do you think that could um alter how these deals are made between crypto exchanges and or cryptocurrencies and esports teams if they're like hey you know um we're only willing to take take on so much of your brand licensing considering that like some of the top games out there are more skeptical of of the entire concept or of the riskiness of it? Yeah, I do think, you know, there, there's obvious distinction to be made with esports with, you know, what uh, what touches the video game and publisher uh, forward industry mm -hmm. and what touches mm -hmm. uh, esports, right? So when you're thinking about publishers, you know, a lot of publishers have to remain skeptical about, you know, the the Web3 investments, the crypto investments, and sports betting as well, right? Because uh, they don't want to be associated with anything that's uh, that you know, uh, might adversely impact children or younger audiences, especially, right? right, right. Um, but, you know, when it comes to esports and, you know, these organizations need to make money. I mean, these are big, thirsty organizations uh, that don't have media rights deals, that don't have other, you know, that don't have really a mature, uh, you know, multiple streams of revenue is coming in. So they do need the sponsorship money. And I don't, and I think that's part of the issue here, right? Because they, they, they don't really have the luxury of picking and choosing to stay solvent. They need to actually uh, take the biggest check they can get. And right now, the biggest checks tend to be sports betting and, mm -hmm. uh, and crypto. And obviously, the publishers aren't happy with that. And if they can shut it down at their events, they will. Um, or if they think they need to, they will, at the very least, right? So, uh, you know, that's obviously uh, leading to, to some issues between them and uh, esports organizations who need really every dollar they can get to, to even break uh, even. In your research and your studies, I, I mean, have you, or in your writing, sorry, have you found any, any ways in which the esports industry could potentially mature its revenue streams and try, find, try to find a way, uh, try to find dollars that are, uh, one, more consistent, two, less risky, and three, maybe just more kosher to like the wider sports ecosystem? You know, I, I, one of the things that keeps coming up every time I talk with teams or, or, or you know, the broader uh, stakeholders in this industry is basically the lack of uh, media dollars, right? 
And I, I don't think mm-hmm. uh, that there's, you know, Sky Sports or Fox that's going to come or ESPN that's going to come in and drop, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars into the laps of esports teams. I don't think that's going to happen. Right. So I, I do think there needs to be some some form of capitalization uh, that's a little bit more mature when it comes to actually uh, broadcasting events. Right. But that, you know, mm-hmm. for instance, uh, you know, YouTube uh, has uh, has done great with YouTube boxing and, you know, DAZN has been paying money for YouTubers boxing each other and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Pay-per-view made for, uh, right. made for streaming events. You know, will esports take that route? Is it something that the fans will, t- will take? Um, I don't know. Uh, the biggest impediment here, I don't think, is even fan engagement or even the o- organizations themselves. I think they would love to do something like that to get extra money. The biggest issue here is the fact that publishers view uh, esports as sort of a loss leader in a marketing campaign, right? So why would you artificially uh, limit the number of viewers? It doesn't make sense because you're trying to sell tickets. So ultimately, at the end of the uh, at the end of the day, it, it, there's a fundamental disconnect between the core product for for publishers, which is actually selling uh, video games or at least uh, you know doing microtransactions within video games, and esports organizations that need that sort of media dollar to keep going, right? It's completely different from traditional sport, and uh, it's something that, honestly, I don't think a lot of uh, even investors or team owners have really thought too deeply about. But I think we're reaching a tipping point here. Uh, if, if you know, we're heading into economic headwinds, uh, you know, in a recession, where's that sponsorship money going to come from? Nobody knows. And if it keeps going, uh, if the revenue numbers go down on that front, um, you know, I think you're going to have to. I think there's going to be broader uh, discussions because I do think there's going to be more consolidation in the esports space, right? And people are going to look towards what you can actually really capitalize on and monetize on, uh, which is actually the games themselves, right? Uh, which are basically, right. for the most part, given away free online right now, which is, uh, you know, uh, frankly, uh, you know, um, maybe not super sustainable. The I remember there was an Evo tournament years back in which if you wanted to watch the stream in HD, you had to pay, you had like subscribe to the Evo channel or something like that. Um, and of course, it was still free to watch up to 720p, but 1080p and beyond, you had to pay for. And I was always wondering why it was just that Evo event that did that. I hadn't seen that really done in any other esports events. Maybe uh, now that 4K is becoming more common, maybe the 1080p stream could be free, but a 4K stream could cost money, and maybe that could be a way to bring in revenue from at least a core audience that wants to see the games being run at like I don't know the the highest frame rates or whatever have you possible. Uh, have you talked to? Uh, any teams or broadcasters, things like that, at least, you know, Twitch and YouTube, YouTube gaming that have looked at that model? You know, off the record, I think everybody's sort of been discussing it, right? Um, you know, but, I, you know, I, I obviously not naming names or anything like that. Um, it's It's mm-hmm. been it's been uh, a topic of discussion for a while, right? I mean, uh, you know, like you said, they did that at Evo years back. Uh, you know, there's no reason for, for that it couldn't go forward. It's just that there's a couple of issues with that, right? First of all, you're talking about an, a, a demographic and uh, and an audience that's, that's used to getting it for free, right? So uh, right. If, if you try to then sort of put it behind a, a closed wall, uh, there's going to be some anger there. So that's number one. And then the second is really, at the end of the day, the biggest trump card is the publishers, right? Uh, right now, there's no indication that the publishers would go for this, right? Because their their business is selling video games, or at least uh, you know aspects of those video games. So in order to do that, you want as big an audience as possible, right? Um, you know, even if you get the media, uh, even if you strike strike a media rights deal, what percentage are they going to clear of it? Is it worthwhile to them to 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 go engage in that business rather than just do what they've been doing very successfully, which is building a great core product? And then capitalizing on it by through uh, through uh, monetizing aspects for 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 the biggest possible audience, right? So, 
you know, uh, you know, putting things behind a paywall is anathema to that, right? So that's the biggest problem here, right? It's just fundamentally, you have you the, the biggest group with the biggest IP, uh, right? Uh, fundamentally, probably doesn't want that, right? So and and really because they they're in this space and and they don't want it. Uh, generally speaking, everybody sort of uh, you know spinning their wheels to a certain degree, right? Because we're not they're not sure exactly mm -hmm. how the publisher will will respond to that, right? Yeah, that's really that's really interesting. Yeah, just because. Um... I guess in my now granted, I'm not like a business owner, um, and and can only speak with based on what I my own logic. But yeah, the the idea of even paywalling the 1080p or 4K stream um, is still just such a difficult thing for publishers because they, as you're saying, they don't want to put any part of their game that makes it look good behind some kind of paywall. Exactly. And also think about, you know, what the general uh, response was to YouTube trialing, even trialing, putting 4K behind a, behind a paywall, right? The internet uh, basically uh, exploded at them against that, right? So, uh, you know, this is, a, it's going to be a very unpopular move if and when it does happen, right? Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, does, does any publisher want to be the first that takes that heat and, uh, and incurs the wrath of the internet? Uh, we all know exactly what can happen if uh, if uh, you uh, frankly piss off the internet, right? So, uh, you know, I do think that probably there's an openness to discuss it, but does any, somebody want to be first? I'm not sure about that. Yeah, well, you know, the other thing that I've, I think you mentioned earlier is that the game is probably the best way to kind of monetize uh, the industry. And we've seen things where, for example, Overwatch will have team skins that you can buy. Um, I believe you can buy them, right? Yeah, like for, for the various Overwatch League teams. Or, of course, there's the International, which sells in-game goodies, and the more people buy into the International prize pot, the more goodies they get. Uh, what if, have there been, like, things where if you subscribe to, of course, you can view the game for free, but if you subscribe, you get some, you know, skins and Counter-Strike, et cetera, et cetera, for that event. Have, have things like that been tried and has it been successful? You know, uh, I'm not sure exactly. Uh, I, I do know that I do think that uh, there have been certain things like that. But really, at the end of the day, um, the, the biggest thing here is that everything still goes through the publisher and their interface. Right. right. Um, and it goes through not not not, you know, Twitch or, or another streaming platform. Uh, if you want to engage with the game and you want to buy something within the game, you have to go through the game web store itself. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, and, and that's, I think, the control that's most important here, right? You know, I, I, I think that at the end of the day, uh, even, even companies as big as Microsoft have learned that, hey, you know, the economics of actually streaming anything and live streaming anything are probably not worthwhile, right? You know, RIP Mixer, yeah. right? Um, but, you know, hey, we'll gladly leverage the infrastructure that Amazon has out there on Twitch uh, in order to get to funnel people into our ecosystem and into our, our game client, right? Um, and, and if we can give and if we can offer skins or a percentage to, to teams, sure, we'll do that, you know, as long as we get, you know, a, a strong payout from it. So, um, you know, that also that comes back coming back to the main 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 question you had, you know, what is the incentive there to basically limit an audience in any way? Right. By creating a paywall to help out esports teams. There's not much. Right. So, you know, if you're a, an investor, let's say a Mark Cuban. Right. And you own a team. Uh, you're rightly going to say, hey, we should be exploring media rights and everything like that. And I think publishers understand. I think everybody in the industry understands that sort of uh, impetus. Uh, but if you're the publisher, uh, do you really care, <laughs> to be honest? 
You don't. You just want people. You just want as many people buying things off, uh, off, uh, you know, off your store as possible, right? And you know, they're of course they're happy to give, uh, you know, strong percentages, if not majorities, to 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 the teams and stuff like that. But ultimately, uh, you know, um, it's still it's still their playground, right? And that's what they're interested in. Well, this is a fascinating conversation. It's been an ongoing topic within esports ever since I started reporting on it. Just you know, the business of it and trying to make trying to make this the sector work. But uh, Jason, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And that was FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the Dot Esports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and share. To follow Jason, and keep up to date on what he's up to. You can find him at Chung Sports on Twitter. To follow me and my work over at CNET, you can find me at Imad on Twitter. And with that, we'll catch you guys next week.